you know, because we're at camp and it's dark at, you know, five, six. It's like, let's so take a ride. Let's, yeah, let's, we could drink beer. Man. Oh, yeah. You could do that. You could drink beer. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'm I'm Stop it, Nick. <laughs> I freaking miss Spotlight. The Hunter Podcast is brought to you by Deer Grow. Man, it's almost food plot season, Jared, and Deer Grow is one of those products that has really changed the way that we plant food plots and the success we've seen from them. No doubt. I've been, you know, trying to plant food plots my, my entire you know, whitetail hunting career, which is a little shorter than yours. But the minute that I started or that I, you know, I realized that I could get Deer Grow back into some of these remote plots where I couldn't get lime or fertilizer, especially in the 50-pound bag, you know, format, mm-hmm. so everything was changed. You know, I could get into these spots uh, moving forward with a, with a backpack sprayer, and that since escalated to these 40 or 60 uh, gallon sprayers and we're doing upwards of you know five to ten acre food plots just with your grow and having phenomenal success yeah and i mean with the price of fertilizer lime diesel everything this year i mean what better way to get in there and grow a successful food plot at about a third of the cost check out deer grow at deergrow.com and we're back hey on our podcast episode 117 another guest in the studio today yeah buddy mr johnny stewart yeah, dude. How's it going, guys? Appreciate it. <laughs> dude, I... All of a sudden, people are like, wait a minute. These guys, like, people actually come into the studio for these guys? I mean, you can't blame me. Look at this place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's right? a yeah. part of little it. hidden oasis yeah. back here. I right? said, hey, don't look at all the piles of, of you know... Of boxes. Boxes. Oh, that don't scare me. My boat cover when you walk in. I just, like, yeah. use it for temporary storage so my wife doesn't kill me. Yeah. So. After hunting, see, you just lay everything. Uh, when you come in, it's there. Uh, and then you get into, like, I'm into working now, and it's like... I'm walking over my hunting stuff. I know. You know? That's exactly it. I haven't touched since I came home from Kansas. I missed a, a buck in Kansas in December. Mm-hmm. Came back. And I, I've, fortunately, I built out a little hunting room in, mm-hmm. my, in my house. I threw everything there. It's still in the totes. When I came back from Kansas, I haven't touched it. No. Get a wash here. I haven't shot point. my bow yet either since I hit that. Uh, Ooh, that's that's necessary. So I did break down my recurve. I had it all together. I shot for a little bit after the season. and you then it. Uh, yep. Broke her down. I'll get her back out at Jeremy, some point. Jeremy's getting into trad. Is he? Well, I'll try it. Hell yeah. I've got, I've, I'm real confident with my, my setup and my arrow build. But at what, 10 yards, 20 yards? I'm I'm pretty good to 15. I'm good to about seven yards. Yeah. <laughs> Past that, not so much. I mean, 18, I was I was feeling okay. 22, 23, no, not so much. We went that route maybe 10 years ago, a buddy of mine. So let's get into it. And, uh, friend of mine needed some dough killed all right we'll come out and we showed up you know it's like september we showed up he said what's what's this what are these sticks <laughs> so he had a long bow and i had a recurve and he said they come across the road about five o'clock to my cornfield so we get there at 4 30 and they're on the other side of the road you could see you know across yeah. to the neighbor's property or whatever and um we seen they were going to white oaks yeah they were falling and there was one on a fence row or two on a fence row on our side I said, Ross, I said, they're going to come hit this white oak. I mm-hmm. said, Let's, so we just like dived in a fence row, like multiple rows. <laughs> and I'm like seven yards from this white oak, you know, out in the field. And shit, if that doe didn't come across the road with, you know, a few other does, yearlings, whatever, right to that white oak. And I'm like seven yards away. And I'm like, I ain't real good shot with this. This is my, <laughs> this is my range. This is yeah, good. Seven she's yards. She's in my wheelhouse <laughs> yeah. at this point. It says eight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, too, it's too far. 
So I I nailed her in the ass. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, wow. And then my buddy, he was down the With tree. With your belly, you mean? <laughs> that will happen. And he was he was he was fifty yards down at the next white oak, and he's like, all I heard was, dong <laughs> the string, and it ran out in front of him, fell over flat, dead. Get that. Femoral artery. Oh I mean, I was, my God, that's I was, hilarious. I was zoned in on lungs, but <laughs> hey, kills him, kills him. Before we went out, that he said, and my buddy was literally practicing. Like before, oh, we, yeah. before we went out, like he said, let's take a couple target shots. You know, all right. So he's he's like had a target at twenty yards. I'm like, whoa, whoa, no, <laughs> this ain't yeah. me. What do you mean? Said, let's go up to about ten. Ten. Mm-hmm. You know, and I didn't do real good at ten. I said, I'm. I said I need about an eight. Well, dude, it's hard because like most of the time, you know, like it, when I was shooting, it was you get into like that muscle memory rhythm, and so you know, after five or ten arrows, I'm like, I'm grouping pretty solid. But then you go and sit in a tree stand for three hours, yeah, and don't pull or shoot anything. Oh yeah. I mean, you're yeah. you're rusty at that point because it's where's my anchor point? Like everything is you know, counterintuitive to what you're trying to do on a compound. Don't hold, don't try to necessarily find your anchor point, you know, just make, make it feel like it's right, yeah. <laughs> you know? And yeah, nine times out of 10, probably a miss. I mean, there's some great shots with that kind of stuff out there. I'm not one of them yeah, by any means, but it's fun. I mean, I'll, oh, yeah. I'll break it back out sometime in probably July or August and maybe take it out. And I just want to shoot a doe. That's all. Yeah. You know, and I, my luck, I'll have, you know, my target buck come out in front of me or something, and it'll be like, Jesus. That's when I hung you mine up when I got it. my doe. Like, I got that doe. I hung it up. That was yeah, the last that's time it. I shot Retired. I retired. That was 15 yeah. years Retire. ago. One and done. I might, you know, maybe down the road get it out again. You know? It'd be cool if, like, um, it'd be cool, like, if in Flintlock they... Uh, <laughs> you were just talking about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, how funny your, is that? ears were ringing. Um, <clears throat> they had, like, a trad season, you know, just like a... Yeah. Even if they opened it up early in Pennsylvania, like, uh, yeah. you know, a five-day trad season in September yeah. or something. Right after mm-hmm. the crossbow I mean, season. what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. One in the same. Yeah, one in the same. <laughs> That's why, probably why Jeremy, you know, was, we, why you picked it up. It's like, we, 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 you know, we talk a lot of smack on the crossbow seasons and yeah, stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. Oh, I hear so, you. and their argument is like, well, you know, trad, trad guys probably said the same thing when, when compound bows mm-hmm. were, and, you know, Jeremy and I looked at each other, we're like, yeah, you're yeah, absolutely you're right. right. Sure. They, they probably did. Yeah. Um, that's probably a part of what inspired you to pick that thing well, up, yeah, right? Well, yeah, because people are, say, unless you're shooting a trad bow, don't talk. And I was like, well, cue you then. I'll go yeah, shoot yeah. a trad bow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Which, it's fine. I, mean, I admire it, it. It's harder. Absolutely. Yeah, you got that. Yeah, you're right. But, I mean, it's 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 a challenge. It's fun. I mean, um, you know, uh, frankly, you probably have a better chance on the ground. Like, I've been hunting with it out of a tree stand and that. Like, you know, my normal tree stand setups don't feel right for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's – I think it's something to – it definitely will humble you quick. Like, if you're a pretty good compound bow shot and then you go back into that aspect of things, it's like, whoa, you know, like, holy shit, this is – like, I'm not a good shot. Yeah. You know, and I think that, uh, you know, my hope is as I go back to compound, you know, flipping that back and forth is that – you know, that kind of muscle memory and, and everything kind of will carry back over even onto the compound side from a miss standpoint. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it was cool to get out and build and, you know, have feathered arrows again. And, you know, I was doing it in late season, mm-hmm. you know, so one after Christmas is when I really was focused on it. And I went out four or five times and, you know, I think the closest I had doe were 30 yards or something like that. But, um, yeah, I'll, I'll get it back out and, you know, 
I think a little bit easier in the early season. But it would be cool, man. Think of like a, a Labor Day weekend, like you think you'd ever three take that or four on days a hunt. <clears throat> I killed mine at five yards. I killed mine at five yeah. yards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, straight down. Um, I, yes, I, I'd want to kill. My only thing that I don't know is like, I mean, I've built that thing. Um, I mean, I'm I'm loaded on the front of those arrows, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm shooting almost thirty inch arrows out of that thing. And so I'm curious to see what the penetration will be like with that. And so that's the only thing that's kind of holding me up of like... You're worried about the penetration? Yeah. I mean, just not sure, you know? Because, I mean, I don't shoot... Like, I don't shoot heavy arrows from from my compound bow, right? I mean, I have some FOC and I have some forward weight, but I'm still shooting 100-grain broadheads, you know, with whatever, 56-grain um, inserts. But, like, that I'm shooting... I think I've got 100... 125 grain inserts plus 150 grain broadhead on that thing. So, I mean, I'm not worried about like hitting behind the shoulder and killing, but I am like, what if I hit in the shoulder? Because like, like Johnny was saying, hit I mean, in the ass. yeah, you're, what if I hit him in the ass? Like, it's, you're you good. don't have, Still kill it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you don't have the control necessarily uh, as your compound. So, put an old two blade rage on there. <laughs> Yeah, no shit. I got a big ass Magnus Stinger on that thing. Yeah. So, so. Well, we were hunting down in Ohio one year, and a, and a kid I know, he was hunting up on a mountain, and it was talking about hitting a deer in the ass. So it was rut, you know, and he had a buck come through, a big buck, 150 mm-hmm. inch. And he was at like a beginner hunter, you know, and he ended up, so he, uh, he's like, so I'm telling you the story as him telling it. He's like, yeah, this buck come through on a ridge, and I grunted at it, but it was like, trying to look for a doe like mm-hmm. he didn't care about yeah, it was leaves crunch she's just moving 60 yards so, so the, the kid was like so i just it wouldn't stop so i just let it i'm like <laughs> let it eat baby 60 yards 62 yards let him a little bit. i'm like i'm like so he let it like you know i've shot enough to like if you're gonna if, <laughs> if he's walking at 25 yards and and i i'll put her like on his shoulder so it'll be like yeah you know it'll it'll go six inches you know yeah. like he'll 62 walk 62 yards 62 so he let it like right in front of the shoulder <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. and he, he let it rip shot it in the ass i'm like oh god same thing died 40 yards dead uh, it, you know like he mm. drug it off the mountain he's telling like you know you got, he was and i'm like he's like yeah i'm like what? What? I like. How's that? That would never possible? happen. You know, like how? how oh yeah. Why? Like I'd bury it right like, in the I, hip, and it'd be. I had a buck this year at sixty-two, and he was kind of like coring toward standing, and I'm like, no, nah, in a big woods, I'm like, no, I just, you know, but he's yeah, like, he's letting it rip at sixty-two, like walking like five mile an hour. You know? Did I, I've, I've, I've probably even said it out loud, but I've definitely thought like, man, I, you know, I would under the right circumstances, I'd shoot a deer at at sixty yards. You know. Yeah, mm-hmm. everything. Yeah, yeah. Because I'll practice at mm-hmm. eighty, mm-hmm. you know, eighty, eighty-nine. Especially for a mule deer hunt. Especially for a mule deer hunt, and I, and I can, you know, I'll hit a paper plate at at, at ninety. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm I feel pretty confident. So at sixty, I'm like, probably could make it happen. Yeah. But in the woods, I've I've asked myself, I'm like, okay, here, you know, here I am. I'm in the woods, Sick, and I'm looking, I'm raging and stuff. I'm sixty yards. I'm like, it looks like it's a hundred yards away. Yeah, like there's far. no there's no way I could shoot something that far. Yeah. So I, I think probably yeah, that deer doesn't look very big at sixty yards either when you're drawing back. No. On you it. got limbs and this and that and yeah. elevation. That's yeah, I seen one this year at six big down Ohio and I'm just like, no. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm not ready if it was like absolutely nothing in a way, like a level shot. Maybe. 
maybe, maybe I'd let one. I think about 40 is my limit. Still for muleys, you know, if we're on the ground, they're grazing alfalfa field, mm-hmm. something like that. I'd still, I'd still maybe pull off. A, a I mean, 60. with a with a bow, I've not, I've not ever killed a deer further than 30 yards. Every every deer I've ever killed with my bow was 30 and in. Yeah. You know, and I bet yeah. half of my bucks were within 10. Yeah. <laughs> like. Well, you're good at getting close. To That's the way to do too, it. Too close. He knows that. Yeah. I get, Jeremy I get up on him. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the tree. Oh, that's good. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. I also pull a lot of one lung shots straight down. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, that that's way. my nightmare. Yeah, but you're, you're dismissing one thought process, which is okay. Here's the that's the hard part. Here's the tree. Yeah. Now, Where okay, I, here's yeah. one that gives me a, a fair angle. You know, t- t- and mainly t- when I'm when I do hanging hunts. Like if I go in on a hanging hunt and I'm scouting my way in, I'll get there and I just I can see it. I'm like, it's where he's coming right here. Mm-hmm. And so then I just look. I'm like, that's the tree. Yeah. And at that point, like my concern is to get in that tree as quick and quietly as possible. Like I don't want to be on the ground screwing around. Um, and then yeah, normally it's like, yeah, I've shot several of them that way. Yeah. Several been, mature bucks. I've been trying there. to stay a little bit lower than I think maybe I'm getting older. I don't know why, but I feel like I think that's a nightmare of mine a single lung straight down especially in more of the rugged country to where i lower get lower in a tree yeah you know so I mean? you get a little bit more yeah more of that angles that on your deer side that's on that picture which is this this buck here that was a mountain buck here in, in fayette county and i i shot him at like three steps straight down and i end up tracking that deer for two miles oh wow yeah and had to shoot him again although i shot him in the hoof which really didn't kill him he had a heart attack so he did. Seriously? Yeah. We stocked up on him. He was bedded the next day. Two miles in. No no cutting corners. And, uh, I, you know, I thought he was, like, on, you know, death's doorstep. Mm-hmm. You know, squatted down, knocked an arrow, got my release up, drew. He's only 15 yards. Stood up. As soon as I stood up, he jumps up out of his bed, which catches me off guard. And I just put, put it on him to get an arrow into him. Runs. <laughs> There's video footage of this. Yeah. Somewhere. Runs runs down over this hill. And, I mean, we're barreling after him yeah. because, I mean, it was already hard enough to find blood. See him, like, get to the edge, tumble, 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 lay there, and, like, start rolling like he's dying. And we're high-fiving. Like, yeah, man, this is amazing. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it took him probably 20 minutes or so. Finally dies, and we get down there, and, you know, we're all high-fiving. Flip him over. You can see, I mean, one of his lungs is out of his body. I mean, it just straight out of his body. And then we start looking. We're like, where the hell? Like, where's this? I thought I shot him right up the ass. Yeah. I thought it was Texas hard shot because I shot at him running away. Yeah. Here, I hit a branch and it went down and literally, like Achilles. Yeah, yeah. Cut Cl- his hoof. Clipped his hoof. But had we we basically pushed his exertion so hard for that hundred yards when we stood him up, he had a heart attack. Died. Yeah, yeah I believe it. Crazy. This was the next day. Yeah, I mean that deer <laughs> lost a lot of blood. Mm-hmm. Next day, like um, you said, two miles. Later. But I mean, he, you know, that deer filled dressed over two hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, it was a tank. Wow. We, we got off work that day. Yeah. It was a Monday. Yeah. Celebrated with Coors Originals and Chili a, Dogs. Yeah. Was it a Monday? No, because you, you couldn't have shot it on uh, a Sunday. No, I shot him probably on a Thursday. I think a Thursday, and I gave you a Friday we found him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I told I told you I worked for Jeremy for for seven years, yeah, and so like said. yeah, yeah. So he was hunting the, the day we shot it in the evening, and then the next day we all came into work. You know, we're here we're here to work. And he's like, yeah, we, you know, I think we're, I think we're blood trailing this morning. I was like, yeah, yeah heck yeah, yeah we yeah, are. Okay. <laughs> so, I'm down. So yeah. we, we went out and blood trailed. We didn't work it at all that day. We no. blood trailed. And what we did at the end, we did chili dogs. Chili dogs and Coors oh, Originals. Coors Ridge. Nice. It was, uh, it was 
like October 25th or 6th. So beautiful fall day. Had the buck hanging on the buck pole, cracking Coors Originals and eating chili dogs That's for cool. celebration. That's good, beautiful. Good memory. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jared used to take any day that I was with him was not a day off in his book. <laughs> that's that's yeah. how right. So yeah. I had X amount like, yeah, I still got all this vacation time, right? I had X amount of days <laughs> <Yeah>. off, which <laughs> I took. Yeah. But the days that I was with Jeremy. So I tried to, I, that's why I started booking trips with Jeremy. I was like, yeah, well, yeah. he and I go together. That's hey, you get a come? I'm like, I don't know. I guess so. That's not yeah, days yes. off. You're with it. How can this count? Yeah. <laughs> We're in Kansas hunting together. You're marking up hours. You're, you're right. You got your payroll. You're like, yeah. <laughs> I worked eight hours today. I was with you all day. Yeah, I was all day. <laughs> we were tracking deer. Yeah, overtime, right? <laughs> I mean, I'll go home if you want. Do you want me to, <laughs> should I expense these uh, cores or no? <laughs> right off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, um, I think once you get into those kind of situations, and I, you know, um, there's obviously worse shots that you can make. I mean, but those, those up close and personal ones are, I mean, it, oftentimes those are the ones you get stuck holding in full draw for way too long too, yeah. because I mean they're on top of you. You know, you don't you're you know I've had a couple. Well, that one that I shot in Kansas a few years ago, um, walked literally under the stand. And I waited till he got past me and shot him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean sometimes you're just on top of them. So yeah, I think years. I mean, I was probably fifteen, twenty years old, maybe. You know, I'm talking. And I shot one straight down, and ever since then, mm -hmm. you know, single lung. But I talked to Troy Pottinger and yep. about mountain hunting. Whenever I feel like I got a crisis and I'm hunting big mountains, I call him. Because mm -hmm. his mountains are like mine on steroids. Yeah, he's in what, Idaho? Yeah. So I, it's kind of like brings me, I'm like, when I get overwhelmed with hunting maybe the area I'm at, and I just call him for just like positive reinforcement, you know, because like the one deer he's hunting's range in un, unreal <laughs> yeah. amounts of territory but he talks about getting up a tree and not even worried he's i'll shoot him straight down yeah like what so we didn't talk much about it but i remember so it's like i don't know i'll get a, i get high and i shoot, you know it's, it's rugged where he's at and i that don't bother me i just it was always something in the back of my head i think after i had that one shot when i was mm -hmm. younger and it was, you know, just kind of something gets burned in your head. Like, oh, oh dude, I think we oh, you're all, not, you're not wrong, we man. all have that burned in our head. I shot a doe, I don't know, I was probably 15 or 16 and um, shot her straight in the shoulder blade, mm -hmm. you know, and whatever, two inches penetration, never found her. And probably the next dozen deer after that, I shot back. Yeah. Because I was afraid of the shoulder blade. Yeah. You know, subliminally, even though I told myself, like, don't worry about it. You, you just, you hugged it back a little further than you, than you thought. So you're like, when I was younger, I watched Dan Fitzgerald mm -hmm. growing up and I shot 80 pounds with fingers and my arrow, my shot, everything was heavy. Yeah. And, and then I think fast forward after that, a few years, like everything went to light 60 pounds. So I bought a new bow and I went to a release and this guy sold me like, no, this is it. This is what you use now. Mm -hmm. 60 pounds with yeah, super light, light like, carbon. Yeah, but I don't get no penetration. No, look how fast it is. I'm like, but it just didn't register in my head. I said, like, I got, mm -hmm. got no power behind it. So I went that route and I ended up doing the same thing for years. You know, not years, like yeah. hitting in the shoulder, you know. Then I got back to trying. What a weird phase, right? I mean, crazy. like, we evolved so quickly in that. Like, speed became everything. Like, yeah. to the point, like, I bet if you go back, like, I don't know, it was you know, go to Dick's Sporting Goods or whoever and bought, you know, cheap Easton's off the shelf. Those things were so freaking light. Mm -hmm. Like, they probably... Well, dude, it, was the, it was the Maxima. It was the Carbon Express. Yeah. Like Maxima Reds and Blues. That's everybody shot those yeah, things. Yeah, most of those were probably not even supposed to be I shot, shot out things. of those things. 
They yeah. were so freaking light. It was terrible. So they, and then I, I would hit deer. It would like be like a crack. Yeah, crack. crack. No penetration. Nothing. Yeah. But I, uh, yeah, I just. Do you guys remember the overdraws? Mm-hmm. Like I don't know who I was talking to recently about that. That's like, funny. Like if you had a PSC with an overdraw, you're like you're the man. What's that? So an overdraw <laughs> on your bow. We're we're going. 25 years ago probably yeah probably in the late 90s so you had a 30 inch draw 28 inch draw whatever your draw was so they made this apparatus i guess i want to call it that bolted where your uh rest would bolt on mm-hmm. and it's like a shelf that comes back, back towards, towards your you. string or towards your cables maybe four to five inches and so your rest was mounted there mm-hmm. instead of where it was because it happened your broadhead so- was barely over top of your shelf Right. So your arrows now went from <laughs> 28, 29 to 24. So you were shooting like 20. But this overdraw was supposed to give you Speed. extra. It was like a cool thing. When they get longer? No. Your arrows? They would get shorter because your rest would your be rest back. Came your rest back. Your, your draw stayed the same. Your rest came back four or five or six inches. Yeah, so they bolted How would your draw length stay the same? No, so Cause you would draw the same, but your, res- your rest wasn't positioned where your rest is. Yeah, it's four inches it was, back. It was mm-hmm. back. Which would bring your anchor point four inches forward. No, 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 no. 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 It, like your bow and your handle and your Stays. shelf all stayed in the same place. Yeah, your thing. riser and, and control all stayed so you in the bolt same this place. Thing, yeah, you bolt this thing on to, to your bow, right and it comes, it's like a metal shelf that bolts on to like the back I'm side of you. your rest, and it comes. So if here's your handle, this thing comes back this way, four I'm or with five you, 100%. inches. And then your rest is here. So your draw is stagnant. It's in the same oh, place. Oh, so your, your rest, rest is, comes with it. It yeah, comes yeah. back. Oh, I thought just your handle. No, no, no. your oh. handle stays the same. So you then your broadhead elongate your arrow back like. here instead of out in mm. front of your hand, like because the shelf comes back and your rest is. What's here. the point? You know, it was speed. cool, man. It was you speed. were you were you were the man if you had an overdraw. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. For you speed. get a little more speed, but you were shooting twenty like. I was trying to find Like when you mentioned to your buddy what you're shooting, you're like, yeah, I got a PSE, whatever. What, what, you got an overdraw on it? Yeah, I got an overdraw. Like, damn, you're the man. You're just, since it's a Matthews, see where your rest is? Yeah. Oh, so it's just your rest. Just your rest. Your oh, grip. That's why your oh, draw length I thought it was your, your grip. No, no, no. Your grip, everything stays the same. Your rest comes back, so that means you decrease your I arrow. I see. So the sole purpose is to shorten your arrow. Yeah, which yeah, will yeah, give yeah, you more arrow. speed. But now think of that in terms of how we look at spine charts and everything like that. Like I'm sure that I'm surprised those things didn't blow up. It was crazy. Which I mean, from a target standpoint, I guess would make sense, right? I mean, most people were using them like um, what was it? High country bows, I think, mm-hmm. were pretty popular yeah, for yep. them. They were using them for hunting, for speed, faster bows. That was the beginning mm-hmm. of like the speed craze. Mm-hmm. You know, that would terrify me. I'm already missing one finger on my left hand. I know. I just think of like, <laughs> yeah, dude. Imagine if that thing went awry, dropped right into your wrist. <laughs> I mean, you see people, you know, put them. I've seen put it. Them through seen there it. Yeah. before. You know, draw on a with a short arrow and put it's it. It's right crazy through. how things evolve fastly too. You know, you're talking sure. cameras on hunting. It's just I was thinking about it the other day. How um, there are so many good hunters out there. There's so much knowledge out there, and and it's different than. The past, we're talking 20, 25 years ago, there was no cameras, you know, um, there wasn't that much knowledge, information out there for people. Like, it was like your, um, the, there was magazine articles, but like I always said, it wasn't all particular to your hunting situation. Well, even the tree you know? stand aspect tree of things. Stands, I mean, my everything. dad made his first 
tree stand out of a stop sign. Mm-hmm. Like he cut up a stop sign to weld a tree stand together. You know, and I remember hearing him like it's past the statute of limitations. Yeah, it's fine. fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was only a couple accidents yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, removal yeah. of that. But I remember hearing him like in the, watching some of these videos of these guys using a climber up there, and there was no top, right? Just the oh, bottom. Yeah, bear hug and the it'd tree. be like, yeah. And you're like, how? Like, think now. Like, anytime I'm like strapping something on or climbing up, I'm like, God, that was loud. Yeah. These guys were ripping Just all the bark the tree, yeah. off of the damn tree. The old baker, yeah, you had to uh, grip the tree, I had to grip bear it, bear hug and, it, yep, and, and climb up. Yeah, you get yeah, ten yeah. feet and be like, yeah, screw it, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's good. That was a workout. No, no then. safety belt. I mean, I used to no, use no, no, no. A, literally a safety belt that was a strap Straight around on. your yeah. waist and this little tether to the tree. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, I used that. You're probably for, one of the early early people to adopt that because I mean, even ten years ago, half these guys didn't use safety harness. And this is going probably well. Yeah, that was probably about ten years ago. I quit using that. Like mm-hmm. there was times I wouldn't even have anything. Sure, you know, I'm up in a tree. Oh and, yeah. But the belt, and then they said if you fall, then your hand, you're like you're gonna, you know, if it's around your waist, you know, you're just gonna like yeah hang hang. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's gonna it's constrict not, it's not you good. down. Yeah, but I mean, even the first ones they came out with had. You know, it was an octopus with all the straps. I couldn't yeah, put that yeah, damn yeah, thing yeah, together if my that. life depended on it. Dude, I don't think I hunted with a safety harness until. No. I mean, I, I hunted. I hunted out two by four tree stands mm-hmm. when I. I mean, that's. I never did that. We so, we started with those gorilla trees. You remember those? The gorilla trees. Gorilla trees. Oh yeah. Stands. Yeah, we we just had those <laughs> little gorilla. I so I always had. We we I was like a hang on guy from day one. I, I was a built <laughs> in built. the tree. Yeah. With but, two by so fours. Jeremy's Jeremy's thirty. Nine. I'll be 39. He's oh, an old man too. He's got nine, nine years on me, but <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we we never yeah. used, uh, we never had those like because because Muddy hadn't come out. I don't think with like the, you know, no, they kind of revel. Well, I mean, Summit, somebody might have before. Summit then. was one of the first because my first Summit. climbing tree stand was Spider. a Summit tree stand. Spider. Uh, it, oh, weighed yeah. like, it weighed like 35 pounds. Oh, yeah. We carried them around with 30-pound backpacks, 60 pounds. We'd Dude, lug them all over the country. Heavy. But, I mean, that was you were mobile hunter at that oh, point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It hangs yeah. way down. My, my ladder stand <laughs> collapses. I can put it, I've, there's uh, two backpack straps on your ladder stand. <laughs> Dude, one of the biggest bucks I ever saw in Pennsylvania, I was probably 14 or 15. I was bow hunting um, up towards Penn Trafford. Mm-hmm. And my dad had built me a lean-to tree stand that was like six feet tall, and I had a five-gallon bucket on it, right? Oh yeah, you know, and yep, so, yep. And uh, I remember it was like last day of the season or something. I turned around and some does coming up, and I looked, and there's just this freaking giant with just. I just remember stickers and shit like all over the place, like staring at this deer. Meanwhile, I could, if he would have walked under me, I could have reached down and grabbed his damn antlers. But I mean, that's just how you grew up hunting. I mean, I killed. I don't know, a ton of deer out of that tree stand. Yeah. You know, now you think of where we're at and how we approach these stands and what we do. And it's like, again, it goes back to, I think we are more efficient killers at this point because of technology, because of evolution. But I mean, you know, there's still a lot of people that got shit done back in the day with that kind of. I think my two by four stands were probably the size of this table. Yeah. We would, we were like, I remember we would go across the road from my house and it was a farm, you know, just some. And we went up there with piles of two by fours and nails and just built these that's it, man. big platforms with the five gallon bucket, you know? Yeah, that's all it was. And, and it, I, yeah. you didn't care about, we were talking about this with Ryan Freer last podcast. You didn't give a shit about the wind or anything. No. You hunted the same damn build entries yeah. every time. You beat it to death, whether they were there or not. <laughs> you almost have to wonder, like, if that, I do anyways, if that, like, if those encounters actually happened. 
Like I think back on some of those big. I know there's yeah. quite a few of them, unfortunately, but big big bucks that I've missed mm-hmm. or had encounters with. It's like did that really happened. And I know at the time, I know for a fact I wasn't accounting for when for for anything. I was just you know I would walk you know right through this woods to get there, and it yep. was just the stand that we we it's like we talked to Ryan's like we just had our stand. It was the stand that was we it? went to, yeah. and we'd go there. And like I remember have like maybe more than I actually have on my wall, but big, big deer that I encountered or, or took shots at that I'm like, did that, that well, really I happen? Mean, it does come back to where, um, it, it definitely helps, but we, we over, we overanalyze these deer yeah. a lot. Um, you know, ultimately they got to get up, they got to feed, they got to breed. Like, I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. And yes, there are definitely things that we know now that are huge advantages, but I mean, some of it is, Hey, if he's bedded here and he's going there and you're in between them, Good chance you're going to see them. That's just yeah. how it is, you know. And then the, the, we just give them too much credit. I mean, they're still. It's because we're obsessed with it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, but it sometimes keeps you us put them up on, on a pedestal where. Oh I'm no doubt. My trail, I can't. But then we you definitely said, sometimes do. it could still happen. We definitely do. Well, yeah. I, dude, how could you not? I mean, just from all of the things that are offering like information and, and not that any of these things are wrong, but like I, like Drury's thirteen comes to mm-hmm. mind, and all these all these different apps that are. You know, sure. and even in a good way, they're not inherently bad, but stuff like Start Spartan Forge breaks down all of the different movement patterns yeah. and, and the different variables that go into it. It's like, how could you not, you know, when you're trying to take every single thing into account, yeah, you know, use it's everything. Yeah. Moon, wind, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, you know, That's te- why you temperature, barometric pressure, day, you know, time of year, food source, like all, all the, the, the amount of things that go into the thought process of trying to do even it'd be five minutes before I'm like, like, I'm running late for my, to get to the stand and I can't decide which one to go to. Mm-hmm. Cause most, I'm like, yeah. how do I possibly compute all of this information? Well, most of those are the ones that talk me out of it. Like, I'll just look at something and it's like, we're working on Jeremy winds out of this way, or I didn't get it on camera in daylight yet. He's been or living or dying by the trail cams for the yeah. past two years. And it's keeping him out of the woods. Yeah. yeah. It's not that we're I'm not on, on the deer. It's just, I'm not in the woods to kill the deer. Yeah. You know? And I mean, I think that when you start to put all of those pieces together, you know, because you give these deer so much credit, you also quickly give them too much credit to the point of, you know, that deer's up and moving somewhere. Just because you didn't get them on camera here, or just because you think that, you know, the barometric pressure should be rising better tomorrow than today, like, has, you know, has some effect. But ultimately, that deer's still doing what deer do. Yeah, in some of these bigger areas, I get down to the point where, like, I say to myself, He's here, like in this. Ge- this is a general location that he, yeah, he's not I don't leaving know. there unless yeah. he gets pushed out of I it. I can't tell you exactly pinpoint what tree he decides to move to, and I and I tell people it's not like um, like if you go for a Sunday drive, sometimes you don't know your destination. I'm just going for a ride, or I need to get out of the house, take a ride. Like there's not always you broke your pattern. Yeah, it's not always a destination for this deer, and he's not always going because the moon's right because the wind's right he's just taking a walk sometimes and you everybody thinks it's a point a to where's he going he's got to be going to the food source maybe he just had to get up and stretch his legs and take a walk but i get Mm -hmm. into the point where he's like he's here and i don't know exactly every much more than that you know hitting these bigger tracks land this is his area he hangs out here but i can't tell you you know what exactly he's doing every moment and you can't how could how could you? That, you know what I mean. I, I like breaking it. I like comparing it to our own patterns, like yeah, like exactly. myself. Yeah. Like yeah. you know, for, 
It's just I, it'll be on a whim, like a random point in time. I'll be like, oh, look, look at me. I'm you know coming home from from doing this or that. Like, I would I, set up on Jared at the gym. I know he's yeah, coming yeah. there. Pretty yeah, much it'll be coming home from the gym. I'm like, how many times have I done this this week? Or or <laughs> exactly, you're yeah, right. You know, or to to the post office to like to, you know to to here to do the podcast. And I th mm -hmm. like I like to think about like. How many times, you know, did I do that during the week? How patternable would I have been on this? Yeah, definitely. This, and then even within my house, it's like, okay, if you're really in the bedroom, how many times did I go to laundry to, you know, yeah, yeah. full laundry? How many times I, you know, or whatever it is. And it's, I think it's it's useful. Yeah, what, I, I look at it that way too. Like I, mm -hmm. I said to like before I've said like, hey, if, 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 if you're going to hang out, everybody eat a, eats at McDonald's. Well, I'm going to wait for that person to come. Well, maybe they don't eat McDonald's. You know yeah, yeah when was the last time you ate McDonald's? Yeah. It could so. be every couple. Yeah, maybe they want Chick-fil-A today. Exactly. Um, yeah. I, dude, I think one of the biggest things that keeps deer walking, you know, is, is people overanalyzing, essentially mystifying uh, or or applying to, like, the general tendencies of, of deer movements. Like, I think that that's what freaks people out. Like, if, if people yeah. are like, they're looking at their app and it says, "Oh, deer are moving today," mm -hmm. right? That's that's like, like how how is that applicable to to this situation? You know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's well, it's different if you're hunting a deer versus deer. Period. Like if I'm hunting yeah. a specific deer, then most things go out the window, yeah. right? Because it's that deer's individual variation is going to change. If I'm going out and I just want to shoot a deer or a buck, then you know that cold front is likely going to have deer and a buck moving. I think what you're hitting on with, you know, realizing or just saying to yourself, uh, like he, he's here. Uh, to me, that essentially is, is getting specific about the animal. The, the minute you throw out those generalities about deer movement and, and this or that and start to say, he's here, you know, this, this is a real creature that's living out. In the, I know I've only seen trail camera pictures of him or, or, or whatever, uh, but you start to just, uh, you think about them specifically or it's a, it's a real animal it's like he's really out here it's a mm -hmm. tangible thing yeah um sign helps with that you know or you know sightings um that, that's when you start i think to become better at, at actually seeing a deer and I, I think all that all that stuff that you have going on in them situations helps you believe that you're going to see them essentially you know and, and it's it's going to happen you know if you see, believe there, that that's it man you know and that, that's where, and Jared knows, and a lot of these people listen to know that I get caught up is I overanalyze. I use cameras a lot. Like, I know that deer's moving in that area, but for whatever reason, especially in October, once it gets November, I'm a little bit better. But in October, I'm just, I'm super cautious mm -hmm. because I know it, I, because I hunt a specific deer usually, the last thing I want to do is screw it up. Because if I screw it up, like it could, in Pennsylvania, that might be my season. There's just like, well, there's no other deer I really want to hunt right now. And so because my mind focuses on a specific deer, and that's different than when we go to Kansas or somebody like, where it's like, you know, I'm looking for a mature buck. So it doesn't really, if I blow it here, I'll go over here and find one. Mm -hmm. But like usually on my farms or something, I just, I'm so cautious in October, at least till the, you know, few days around Halloween. And then it's like, that's when I usually kill most of my deer because I'm finally making a calculated move. But I've probably missed three times the opportunities because of that approach than I have executed on. Yeah. You know, and that's because for a while there, like three years in a row in Pennsylvania, I killed a mature buck on the first sit. And it was like October 23rd through the 27th. First sit of the year. I you didn't know, hunt you know all what? year. <clears throat> you know what, then. too, man? I don't, I, I don't think any of those were... You know, trail cam deer. 
Like none of those were your nope. like. I knew where they were. Oh, I knew I don't think that they existed. This one, you well, did this it. one, I was hunting a different deer when I killed that one. Yeah, I was hunting a, a 140 inch 10 point. The other one, you didn't know he was on this that ridge. one. I knew I was hunting a different deer and I killed him. Which one were you ki- hunting when you killed him? The one that ended up being that 170 a couple years later. Okay, Ooh. and who's the third one? Uh, that one I killed at um, Foster's place. Up on the hill the first year I was back. That was 2016. You didn't know he was there? I knew he was in there, but I didn't really have a deer that I was hunting. And uh, Wide Boy? Didn't know he was up there. No. All of these first sit deer are just like, I don't know. I was hunting. Luck or I was hunting. Or? I was making a move on, most of these I was making a move on a different deer. Now that one was way bigger than the deer that I was hunting, but I literally got in the tree seeing this back before cell so cams. So what does that mean? You're either really bad at hunting specific deer <laughs> or you're really lucky because you end up killing a different, you know, I think it's time. more of uh, going back to hunting specific. Like I knew I had a really good bead on what the successful pattern was going to be. It's just what deer took that path mm-hmm. that day. Mm-hmm. Um, because that deer, I passed six other bucks before I shot him. Now, none of those were the one I was going to shoot, but they were decent deer. This deer I shot early. He was. I saw him 40 minutes after I was in the stand working Wide a scrape. Oh, no, this one. Oh, yeah. He has some mass on him. Yeah, that deer was seven probably. You know, and so that was five of seven. The other one was a five-year-old that I shot. And then, yeah, Wide Boy was freaking 10. Did you kill a buck this year, John? Shot one in West Virginia. Yeah. That was uh, October 2nd. Like I said, it was uphill <laughs> after that. Yeah. I thought it was going to be down. Were you hunting with Bo that week? No, uh, not in West Virginia. I was actually in an area close to where I live. It's public ground, and mm. I haven't been there in 20 years. Like mm-hmm. when you're young, and we'd go. Close to where you live, is it in Pan- Pan- Within Pan- an hour, yeah, yeah, okay. about an hour or so. Which is probably an overlooked area. Yeah, and uh, I just wanted to get out um, close to home because mm-hmm. my my camp's north two hours. Sure. And my Ohio camp's five hours, so it was like nothing around home. And I said, I'm going to hit some West Virginia, and I, I, I scouted out a little bit in March and uh, public. Yeah, hung a camera. Is and, there much public in between there? There's a little bit. I mean, not, not as much not as he goes south. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it was early enough that nobody was in there. Like I said, it was maybe the second or third day. Then after that, I mean, I left. Cam- I actually got a couple cameras down there. But I know um, I went in there with my buddy maybe a, a week or so after I got mine, and you know they started trampling through it pretty hard. You know, so I I had luck at early. Um, mm-hmm. And it was an old deer. He was, his teeth were wore down, probably six seven. You know, but the rack was only maybe mid to high twenties or so. You Still know, for West Virginia. West Virginia, it was a good deer, but. Um, yeah, that was October 2nd, and I said, oh, man, it's going to be a good year. Where are you at in Ohio? Southern Ohio. Like dead south or Cam- southeast? I usually hunt at Adams County. Oh, you're Adams, okay. I have a camp, and I usually hunt like Shawnee, yep. up near Brush Creek, you know, Tranquility. Mm-hmm. There's a fair amount of public in I'm in area. Meg's, so I'm a few up from you. Mm-hmm. Um, it, in that area, I mean, it is, it's tough ground. I mean, yeah. there's some giant deer down there, mm-hmm. but that ground is not easy to hunt. Um, you know, it's, it's tough all through there. And, you know, like here, there's a lot of big wood settings there. Um, but man, there's some studs down in there. Have you, have you hunted much farm ground? Uh, not so much, you know, all public the last six, eight years. So there's, you know, I get better results getting away from the Mm -hmm. easy accessible farm ground, you know, that the, that the state will provide, you know, I mean, uh, then I was always big about late season, so 
Um, but now it's people were shifting in like years ago. Like I, I, I felt like I was different years ago. Like um, I was the only one out there shed hunting, you know, 15, 20 years ago. You probably know? were. And then I was the only one hunting in January, killing deer in January. Because mm-hmm. I, I like wanted to, I gravitated toward times of the year that people weren't there you know, hunting. And that's when I'd find success, you know, whether it was shed hunting or deer hunting Mm -hmm. and them off times. And now it's like, like up in Pennsylvania where my camp is like, they're legit shit that like, I swear I'm not even shed hunting anymore because there's so many guys doing it. What do you think's causing it? Maybe social media, you know, and the words out about it. I mean, because it doesn't seem like that long ago that you know, at least in, uh, you know. I mean, dude, you're literally wearing a hoodie that says shed season. (laughs) Well, yeah, but I mean, I can't find a shed if my life depended on it. It's a popular thing, I guess. Maybe I, I don't. You know, it's just. Well, I'm just. It's it's shed, or you know, we even we're kind of talking a little bit pre-podcast on just the the hunting in general. Um, like you said about when you're out in the Dakotas and stuff, and we we've seen that in in Illinois. I've seen it in Ohio. I mean, there's and, a lot of freaking people out in the woods. There is everybody we talk. To well, I guess it, I know. think over the years it's advertised that there's good hunting out there. You know, sure. it's it's to be had on public ground or whatever, and and people are like, well, I mean, these guys are doing it, and and it, they're going out after it, and everybody's shed hunting, and I mean, I'd be interested. It is what it is. I mean, I I don't, I don't care either way. I'm out, you know. Yeah, hunt it when you can hunt of, it. A lot of people get frustrated. Everybody's shed hunting, like buddies of mine. Like, everybody's in my area, you know, shed hunting. I can't even shed hunt. I'm like, it's life. You know, what are you going to yeah. do? And then a lot of guys I know get mad when there's someone in their area actually hunting. You know what I mean? And I'm like, just move on. You know, it is yeah. what it is, especially when you're on public ground. What are you going to do? You I know? mean, I get the frustration. Like, you know, when we're in Kansas and we've, you know, hunted that area for eight years and we've scouted areas or we came back and we hung cameras and every we've got bucks we want to hunt. And then literally while we're driving the 16 hours out there, it's like, there's a guy, there's a guy on this camera. Shit, there's a car here. Now this lot's full. And it's like, you know, you just have to be nimble and figure out, you know, what are you going to do differently? Exactly. I, I think what's so, um, what seems so crazy about it though, is it literally doesn't seem like it was that long ago that, especially during archery season. Gun season is a different ball game, right? But at least during archery season, you just didn't see that many people out. You know, like that was the one season that I felt like I could go on to Pennsylvania game lands even. And shit, man, I might hunt three, four days. And maybe I saw grouse hunters or something. But other than that, you didn't see anybody deer hunting. Yeah. And now it's just like they're loaded. Yeah. Most of these places are loaded. And then it's getting popular. Like I said, early season, people are killing deer early, you know, mm-hmm. October, end of September. And then fast forward to January, it's like I used to have the woods and myself had a lot of success over the years of January. And now You're still seeing it packed in January? There's beginning to be more guys doing it. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's I bet the Ohio thing, for sure, that late muzzleloader season, I bet it's a huge draw from, you know, surrounding And states. even out, like, west Illinois, Iowa, I used to go out there late season. I was by myself crazy shooting bucks not anymore no i didn't even get like so in iowa i used to get drawn for a black powder tag late season i got drawn four out of five years (laughs) and i haven't get drawn i haven't gotten drawn now i haven't drawn a tag now in three years it's gonna be my well the third year i might draw this year but that's how like no one did it and i was going out there and well that's how kansas was i mean i drew every year in kansas in most years there were surplus tags after the application now they're you know a thousand tag deficit in most of those territories and it's probably every other year you know and that was a guarantee 
You know, yeah. every year, guarantee you're drawing a Kansas bow tag at least. Every other year, probably now. Soon to be probably every two years. Um, and you guys hunted like a walk-in area or public land? Is that we hunt mostly say? like Army Corps land, public mm-hmm. land down there. We didn't. We've we've explored a little bit of walk-ins, but where we're at, at least where we kind of have our camp and stuff set up down there, um, it's it's mostly Army Corps land that we hunt. But I mean, you've got tons of space. The problem is, at least this year. It wasn't as much like in the past years, we've seen a lot of non-residents, which we are too, you know, but you you know, you just pivot around it. This year, it seemed like most of the people we saw were residents. They got, they got pushed off from leases and sales. That's like Iowa. I know like I used to hunt out there on public years ago and you'd see non-residents and then I'd start seeing a lot of resident hunters. Because they're getting pushed pushed off. off or, you know, they see, oh, wow, there's good deer on public from all the social media, I'm going to go hunt here. I think the the fact is, <clears throat> like you mentioned it earlier when you said, oh, you know, walked around over there, you know, across the road, and we built this two-by-four tree stand and stuff. Dude, when we were growing up, we could do that almost anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember the first time I actually got my ass caught for trespassing. I said caught. Um, you know, <laughs> and, and it was because I almost... <laughs> I I almost didn't care. I I literally parked my truck at the cemetery and just walked in the woods and was calling turkeys. Yeah. You know, and the guy drove by who owned that piece and I made up some story of whose property I was mm-hmm. supposed to be on, whatever. But I it, thought this was Jeremy Flynn's property. Yeah. It was because What's your name? My entire <laughs> life, Flynn. like, you know, I knew certain farms that were hunted and I just didn't mess with and them. And posted, yeah, yeah, and you didn't go on. But there, there were but other, other farms. That, it was, it was like, like you just go and when yeah. I was walking out I'd see them and hey, you know, so and so and you know, you know my grandpa, but oh, yeah, no problem. Just, you know, watch the house or whatever. Now, dude, I mean, you step foot on that thing, you're getting the cops called on your ass. I know when I was younger, it was the same, like where I grew up, it was the same thing. Like everybody hunted the same dairy farm and, this, and there was just a little patch of woods. Like, let's go push it out. Like nobody cared. There was no nobody posted cared. signs. We just went and hunted, you know? Yeah. And now it's just, it's, it's, you know, so privatized, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, it, I'm preaching in the choir because I'm, I'm defensive of my own properties too, mm-hmm. but it's, it's really weird how that's taken such a strange turn because it's not just like, I'm protective of my property because I hunt it or my kids hunt it. But there's a lot of people that just have farms that they don't hunt, they don't do anything. And now they're very protective of it. And it's not because they're trying to withhold it for hunting for themselves or even they just, for some reason, we've hit this wall of of kind of pressure from a privatization standpoint where, you know, that border is the border and you're not coming across. Mm-hmm. And it's just really weird how it, it got to that point because, I mean. Well, did what else has that ever happened, like, in American history? Probably when the Indians got rounded up on reservations. In what sense? I mean, I'm I'm thinking, like— you know, just from reading stories, like during the gold rush days, like is the only like when claims peop- when people wide were, open land when people claims. were really defensive of their their area, their claim. Hey, I've claimed this, mm-hmm. the gold rush for sure, because there was something valuable there, mm-hmm. or they thought there was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure, probably. Yeah, because I mean, when you you laid claim to this, you know, even the whole the whole rush into the expansion of the West, you know, when they were in Kansas and Texas and Colorado and everything. You know, I mean, people were setting up thousand acre homestead claims because it was just, it, it was, you know, uh, it was nobody's land, even though there were native populations at the time. Prob- probably like grazing land would have been another motivation for, 
you know. I mean, you've seen that in Western stories of like so and so's cows got on so and so's grazing land, and they killed them. That was a big deal back or then. Or they took them mm-hmm. yeah. and said, "No, those are on my land. I'm taking them." And and so that's where and I I, I boomerang around this because I really think the reason that we are seeing these massive kind of groups of hunters in certain places one is social media i think just the awareness and education of go here go here you can do it um at one point in time they said like 90 percent or 92 percent of hunters will never hunt more than 20 miles from their house i bet that's complete bullshit anymore mm-hmm. i'm sure it's like sub 60 percent um but the other thing is just the way of life of now yeah i can't walk across my road and just you know, sit there on the creek bank and hunt anymore probably has forced these people into this limited resource of public land, you know, because it's not like we're adding to public land, you know, hand over fist anymore. Sure, there's a little bit of acquisition here and a little bit of acquisition there, but we are pushing more and more people towards it because they're losing the other spaces that they had to hunt. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, definitely. I'm tired of speculating. Like, I want to know. The data's just, it's just, it's there somewhere. Well, it's it's more valuable. The land, like, they're not making any more of it. So the land that's public is there, this size, and the other stuff shrinking. Well, but there's also supposedly less hunters than, you know, than ever. Someone told me PA had, uh, like, after the pandemic, had, like, an influence of bow hunters. Oh, huge. Yeah, Yeah, it was. It was like, um, I forget the it was like 15%. And then up my way, I noticed since the pandemic, people were traveling. Like mm-hmm. when I would travel to camp from Pittsburgh North, mm-hmm. like I just see way more people, whether they're kayaking or in summer or hiking or just <clears throat> getting away to Kick their- people into the outdoors for sure. Yeah. You know, and I, people will yell at us, so we'll we'll get it out of the way early. I mean, archery and crossbow together now has been a huge factor in that. I mean, the the reason you didn't see anybody in the woods 10 years ago hunting was because there were no crossbow guys in the woods. It was all vertical archery guys. And at that time, you know, there was probably under 50,000 of us. And now there's 100,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or more. <laughs> like, that's just that's just how it is, you know? And so... Seventy you percent know, um, of the deer in Ohio last year were killed. Archer deer were killed with crossbows. Is that right? Seventy percent. A guy told me that had a his buddy had a dog, and blood trailing dog, and he said most of the blood trailing he does for crossbow guys. Mm-hmm. They're just like not newbies, or maybe they just don't practice. Well, they got a gun, you know. Statistically, there's more of them. More seventy percent. Okay, well then there you go. In Ohio, I can only imagine Pennsylvania. He was talking it's gotta, PA. It's got to be more. I bet it's. I bet it's more. But it's eighty percent. I mean, Brian Burhans told us it was a fifty-fifty split in terms of licensed hunters. So licensed archery hunters, fifty percent compound, fifty percent crossbow. I I believe that now the the ability to be lethal I with don't. a crossbow. I, that can't be right. You don't think it's 50-50? 50-50? No. 70% of the cross the deer in Ohio last year were killed with crossbow. Because it's easier. Well, sure. It's more lethal. That's Ohio, though. In Pennsylvania, dude, everybody's shooting a crossbow. I bet it's... I, I Well, I'm not I, saying... That sounds 50-50. I bet 50-50 from a, a licensing of, standpoint, right? right? It could be 80-20 from yeah. a harvest standpoint. And, and moving quickly, I'm sure. For, 60, I, I bet you're pushing 60-40. This is where, like, the counter to everybody is saying, well, we're losing hunters. 
but we're being way more efficient at killing than we ever have in our entire history as hunters. Well, and uh, not just efficient, but invasive. Sure. Inva- even, and I'm not just saying that's like, that's a term tied, tied mm-hmm. to, you know, hunting with a crossbow necessarily. That's hunters today, as compared to 10 years ago, are probably way more invasive than ever, mm-hmm. you know, in the sense that we can hunt the entire archery season. Y- you know, yeah, 10 years ago, you could go and, like you said, drive out a woodlot, you know, put it, put a drive on, but that's, that's one day. That's one time, you know, over an entire year, you know, guys today, and, and we are a part of this, you know, we're hunting as much as we can, yeah. 20, 30, 40 days uh-huh. out of the season. And that now includes, you know, crossbow hunters. And with the addition of some additional, you know, firearm seasons, mm-hmm. muzzleloader seasons in Ohio and stuff. It's like, we're just in the woods invading on wildlife habitat arguably 10 times what we were 10 years ago. And I would say on probably five to 10 times less acreage. Across we the were. country. Yeah. On less acreage. More sure. invasive on less acreage, which is why and we feel this it. pressure. I mean, yeah. Right. I mean, that, that is, yeah. th- there is nobody out there that can tell me that they've been hunting in these public areas that has not said, yeah, it seems just like it was five or 10 years ago. Bullshit. No. There's no way. No. It's not possible. And it's, you know, we're jamming, you know, 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag is what we're doing. Like, it's just, it's not going to compute at the end of the day. And here's what's going to happen is we're doing this from an opportunity standpoint, right? Everybody, all these agencies just want opportunity, opportunity. That's what's going to save the hunter numbers, opportunity. At some point, you're going to put all these hunters in public land and you're going to be like, man, hunting sucks. Mm -hmm. This is a terrible experience. I don't see any deer. Mm -hmm. These guys are assholes. People are yelling at each other. People are dangerous in the woods too. Mm -hmm. Let's not put that past them. And the fact is, it's just not a good experience. And so instead of us getting all this opportunity and gaining numbers, we're going to hit a cliff one day. And the people that make it through two, three years after will feel uh, they'll be, it'll be great. Mm -hmm. And I say that in a very lighthearted way, it'll be great because there won't be as many people. The resource will be flourished. You'll enjoy the space. The fear, the fear at that point though, is, you know, outsiders, non-hunters essentially look at that, that cliff and say, Hey, you know, hunting's obviously it's dead you know it's dead yeah. you know all this land could be used for something so much better you know that that's the fear as somebody who who is genuinely passionate sure. who, who would be on the other side of that fall off mm-hmm. you know as i'm sure we all would be and it's like man what you know what uh threats do we face at that time well that's yeah. concerning well and that's why most states are going towards hunting being a right not a privilege how so state constitution oh okay having it as a right so that you know, once it's a state constitutional right, you know, they are can't they? take it. There's mm-hmm. states pushing for that? Several, several already passed. That's good. Mm-hmm. Not us. Which in ones? Pennsylvania. Uh, Texas. There's a bunch, actually. Some would be surprising. I'll tell you in a second. So I've noticed in the last few years, like, you're talking about, like, the influence of pressure in areas. I found that you give it two to three years and it, it like, Fades out. It fades out. Yeah. And I'm learning, to like, when I do my scout, and like, there's places I gave up on. Oh, these guys ruined us. And there was a place this year, and I went back in rifle, and there was bucks in there, and there was a limited sign of people. I just, I just don't know how. I run into a guy. He had a camera. He said, I had 20 people on my camera, and there was cameras everywhere. So I, said, I just abandoned ship that, but then it kind of, like, came back to life. That's everywhere. You know? That's everywhere. But I, you just got to keep scouting those areas I think and learning. I think the states in general or, or parts, you know, like western – Central uh, West Central Illinois was probably one of the first, you know, areas in the country that got the most uh, it's quite a bit actually publicity for, you know, being a, a whitetail mecca. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it got just pounded and pounded. Mm-hmm. And so there's guys out there who still will tell you, oh, it's, it's overrated, you know, and this and this and that. But I, I think at this point, it's probably gone through its its yeah, phase its cycle. Yeah. You know, and, and so you got to just um, whenever Stick something starts getting hot, just you know, know that it's gonna get. I mean, do we? You know, Jeremy and I've not that we're influencing that many people, but we, we've been we've been talking Kansas, you know, mm-hmm. for, 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 you know, two, two, three years, you know, we started this podcast two years ago and we've been, man, Kansas is awesome. Kansas is awesome. I don't know. You know, yeah. t- right it wasn't now, so awesome. you know, it, yeah. it's definitely like, it's, uh, it's probably on, it's still on an upward trajectory of the pressure it will see, but at some point, you know, it's, it's going to tail off and there's mm-hmm. other States, you know, it, I think there's so many States out there now that have good quality public hunting. Like there's not many, no, you know, that, that have, don't have <clears throat> yeah. a decent 130 or 140. You know, there's a lot of states well, that you'll work that. for it. Not to keep highlighting yeah, like the, the next one because like we want to. We're the last guys that want to blow up somebody's spot, you know. Mm-hmm. But like nobody's been in Canada for two mm-hmm. years. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like you planning a Canada trip? I'm sure Canada <laughs> is banging some, right you know, now. It, yeah, the four year olds that were left alone right now are six year old yeah. booners, you know. Yeah. Right? And so, so and they're, here's they're here's some there. of your states. Um, just no no order necessarily. These are states that have the right to hunt and fish. Vermont, Virginia, South Carolina, Georgia, Indiana, Kentucky, Tennessee, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Arkansas, Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Minnesota, North Dakota, hmm. Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, and Alaska. Wow. Can so you put it in a song for us? No, I don't think so. Uh, no Pennsylvania, no Ohio, no West Virginia, no Illinois, no Missouri, no Iowa, surprisingly, no South Dakota. The Hunter Podcast is brought to you by Hoyt Archery. Dude, where would we be without our Hoyt bows? Probably shooting crossbows. Or, or a Matthews, yeah. <laughs> One and the same. Yeah. But in all seriousness, we love being Hoyt guys because you stand out. When you're in this room full of other people that shoot these other types of bows, I feel like the Hoyt guys just stick out. Dude, it's just a legit bow. I mean, th- th- especially that carbon riser, man. I mean, I-, I know that they've got several other aluminum lines as well. But for, for me, I'm shooting that RX-5 uh, in the carbon model. They've since come out with the RX-7. And uh, I can't tell you how much I love being a Hoyt guy amongst a sea full of Matthews guys. So we're out there, I think, pr- proving them wrong, shooting 80 pounds and uh, you know, killing stuff. Hey, man, if you want to get serious, get Hoyt. So another thing in my area, they're they're putting so many wells and roads. Oh in. yeah, it it sucks, man. I mean, access has changed access, completely. It's like there's not much in my area where I bow hunt that is a mile. Mm-hmm. That's um, what ruined. Well, my even spot. on private, that's what ruined my spot in Kansas this year. Yep, um, I had two. One of them's on the table there, Spider Man buck. Um, I mean, two hundred you know, push pushing Booner deer that I was excited to hunt on public in Kansas this mm-hmm. year. They went in over the summer and cleared out a whole fence row all the way back from the parking spot. Cattle are higher priority. And it's a spot I've hunted for four years? At least three. Yeah, at least three years. I've never seen anybody in there. Mm-hmm. I had in four hunts, I had three three people walk under me. Wow. Or, and or groups More of guys. More than that. Yeah. To, to the point where I was like, you can have it. I'm, mm-hmm. You know, I, I pulled my stuff. I was done. I went back to. <laughs> it is funny. I mean, because the, that access point, I, I was talking to a couple people on private even, and they would say, and not by their own accord, but the neighbors, they've got these well roads and stuff. They're like, there's so much well traffic on some of these roads that the deer that used to be in there, they're no, nowhere close. Mm-hmm. They don't want to be anywhere around that stuff. 
Not to mention, I mean, some of these guys are out there shooting for sure out of those well trucks. Mm-hmm. Um, what else are they going to do? Driving up and down roads. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so, I mean, it's, it's, those are the things that, uh, I mean, as the landscape starts to change that deer, it's the deer density habitat, right? When we start to look at like, even like a state like Iowa, the reason I was a small state, but it's got so much deer habitat in it, right? You start to take that away and look at, you know, where we're at in Southwest Pennsylvania, or you look around the Columbus area, the reason there's giants around Pittsburgh and Columbus and Atlanta and Birmingham is because there's no deer habitat territory. Mm -hmm. Those deer just get old. It's not that they have superior genetics or anything. They just get old. Mm-hmm. Dude, where my dad killed that buck, the one I showed you right before the podcast, yeah. that is like, I mean, if you were to walk our whole farm and the surrounding area, I certainly wouldn't. And I wouldn't think anybody would walk that deer's core area and say, you know, right here. Right here. Yeah, this, this is where this, you know, this is premium habitat. Not at all. I mean, dude, it was it was really sparse, sporadic not that great a habitat. I mean, essentially was a, a big standing cornfield, a, a big, like a, a, a small strip of like what you'd call big timber, like, like, uh, like big open e- ecological yeah. desert essentially. Mm-hmm. And I know for a fact, that's where that deer was bedding. And it just, the only reason was that nobody was going in there. Mm-hmm. The only reason there that's, was, that's the biggest thing I see over the years is where where hunters aren't and you know yeah. I come, they like, figure it out over five years it, they're it like, is. This is and i think the deer evolve and adapt to the pressure and the camp or what everybody knows and how they're hunting these deer and they're just moving and staying one step ahead of you so to be a good hunter you just have to stay there stay up in front of the curve yeah. you know and watch it happen and no, kind of see it like okay everybody's here and that's the biggest thing i've learned and i talk about all the time is pressure like yeah, they're going to be where, and I know like talking to Bo enough that he even says like he met, one time he made a comment, well, where's the buck bedded where people aren't, you know, in an air, like that's it. It could definitely, definitely it's cover they're going to look for and maybe a vantage point and this and that. Yeah, but I mean, if win, people but, are busting through but cover if, or bird hunting or something, people, that deer's not going to land right. there. If people aren't there, then that's a comfortable yeah. spot for him to be. And just so them are the things... Like you said, it's not the ideal situation, but he learned to adapt and mm-hmm. live in that area because well, no one's that right there him. tells you. I think, like, <clears throat> like, like you've probably heard that said. You know, pe- you know, everybody's heard. You know, deer want to be where low pressure's at. But when you start to realize that a, a buck, use my dad's buck for example, will bed in an area that's low quality habitat, the the primary you know, appeal of that area is that the, the people aren't there. Mm-hmm. That's on their mind. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, m- probably more than we think. It's, it's not just like, oh, you know, and I'm not going to get disturbed here. It's like, no, where am I not going to get disturbed? It's it's the main yeah. thing they're looking for. Yeah. And, and in pursuit of that, they're probably paying a lot of attention to where we're entering properties, mm-hmm. where, you know, where they see people, you know, where they see trucks passing by. They don't want to be there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they might want to be where they can see it. Yeah, but they yeah. don't want to be in it. Yeah, and that, 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 yeah. that'll change the way, I think, that you think about a, a property. It's not just, oh, you know, s- southern-facing slopes, leeward, you know, ridges yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff. Because all that stuff is good, and in an und- you know, an unpressured area, that is what's going to make sense for them to be in. But in an area that is getting pressured, they want to be where, where people aren't, and they first wanna, and foremost. And they want, they want to, I always talk about, they want to know what, what, what's going on. Yeah. So they're kind of in well, you're the, talking in about the, Belinda's buck earlier. Yeah, they, they want to example. Of yeah, that. they want to be able to see what's going on, 
who's coming, you know what I mean? To But them doing that helps them find that spot that people aren't. So they're kind of right there, like our satellite. They're kind of, you know, in the stands, not the first row, but they're there. And they're watching and paying attention. They figure it out. What, and, they yeah, figure so it out at night. Too, just like man. you, you just yeah, just like they come you, out at night and they'll go everywhere. Yeah. They'll go walk in your backyard. Just like you want to know what the deer are doing. Where I want to know what my property, where they're feeding this and that. So they want to know what's going on in their area too, but from their standpoint, looking at you, Dude, you know. While, while I agree with you know our conversation earlier, I do think that we give deer too much credit in in, in the sense of of reasoning, you know, mm-hmm. the ability to, to to figure things out. I think that we give them not even close to enough credit to be able to put things together um, as far as like our in, our intrusion, like mm-hmm. like you know we think about during a hunt, like oh I didn't I don't think I blew any deer out of there, I, you know they didn't see me, then I don't think anything smelled me. We think we got in an yeah, airplane. Yeah. As soon as we leave and it's dark, they all, you know, they all come out. Oh, yeah. A deer will, will go anywhere. They're not afraid of anything at night. Mm-hmm. They'll go everywhere. And so while they're out there, you know, think about how long your scent trail, you know, whatever clues you left that you were in an area, you know, not just your stand, but like the, the, the path that you come to get in, they're going to find it. Mm-hmm. They're going to find it eventually. And they're going to put it together that, oh, you know, hey, this, they're, they're they, uh, this is the reasoning part. They don't say this guy's coming and he's going to yeah, yeah, stand here, right. but they know. Hey, there's a there's bad. a scent here. I don't like this. Has happened. This has happened twice in the last week. Stay away from that. And then they work off association. So like yep. a, a, an area that I'm thinking about up north, there's not many cuts as we are talking about an area that I hunt. And so all the hunters gravitate toward the cuts. And you know the very few cuts that are in the area. And like you said, they'll go at night and they'll sniff around and be like, yeah, they're gonna leave their rubs and hit the scrapes. And there's a pile, a lot of does there in. Uh, this area I'm talking about is kind of flat, and, and the and the wind blows like from the cuts, like a southwest wind blows to some vast across this road to some vast land, and it's like I, I say, like them buck or across the road in this vast area, it's not ideal habitat, you know, but they're gonna make do and live over here and come to these cuts at night, cause and then they associate them cuts with danger. So it's the next cut that they go to look to. It's the same thing. It's like, okay, this type of habit, this area, when I start to see a lot of does, there's a lot of food, you know, a, a lot of animals, you know, a lot of habitat. It's like, this is a danger area. I smell right. humans too. So they go right. to the next cut. This is humans. I smell this. So I'm, I'm staying over here where there is no scent of humans. And, and, and then they start associating that with them cuts. And in a lot of them areas, I find that them, them cuts can be a banger spot if no one's in there. And it's like, how do you find that out? You know, mm-hmm. so you gotta, like I said, it might be coming over two or three years that you find that the deer or maybe hunters, like I know of a cut that I put my buddies in because years ago it was bomb. You know, I had a big deer in there and then guys moved in and I run cameras and it just, it just sucked. They ruined it. You know, so and I, I told my buddies, I said, I, I ain't hunting there. I said, there's, too many guys been there. And then they went in there in a year that uh, the pressure moved out, you know, and then they uh, end up seeing some deer. So, yep. like, the, the bucks were, like you said, at night checking that cut. You know, my, my, my buddies went in there, like, for the rut. Mm-hmm. You know? They so, are smart, dude. Even from year they to year. Are. You know, they'll, they know. I don't want to miss. We we, we, covered, we just touched real briefly there, and it kind of I don't know, struck a chord with me. But, like, that, that nighttime movement and what them deer can can – what they will do and what they can deduct from what they're doing at night. I think, uh, I think we overlook that significantly. Mm-hmm. 
Um, a lot of guys make the mistake of like, you know, setting up in a spot that a deer will only move at night. You know, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the information that a mature buck can gather during the, you know, his ability to move freely at night. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, how many times, how many times have you seen a deer just bedded in your front yard mm-hmm. in the middle of the night? You know, it's like they, they would never in a million years do that during the, ne- never, no. never, but at night they know. Hey, I'm 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 safe to do this. I, mm-hmm. I can do whatever I want. And and all of the places that we've been thinking, oh, they didn't see me coming in this way, or, you know, or oh, I didn't see me coming mm-hmm. in. Check this trail camera. They freaking know. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. Know what I mean, it came out at night and they smelled you there and they know. Well, I think you said the last time you were on the podcast that you've done a lot of night checking cameras and, That's right. and even stand yeah. stuff yeah. because again, That's the right. guards the guards down. They we were are, talking yeah. about this last time. They don't, I forgot. They yeah. don't get they don't get scared, you know, as, if When's the last time they've had to worry about something like that or a human threatening at, at, at night? Yeah, it's they all don't. daytime. Yeah, it's all daytime, right. activity. But they, I bet you they're smart enough to know that they laid that, that Santa was laid oh, during, sure. during the day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this year I started spotting a little more, mm-hmm. which is legal in PA, up, up my camp. and I miss spotting, dude. We went out. Know. I'd like to do some more. There's of that not many sure. fields up there. It's, you know, big yeah. woods. Which is tough. And so you just ride down the road to light out the window. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So two guys, and you're going to see 50 you're yards. You're just catching eyes. You just catch eyes. But so I'm like, you know what? <laughs> so there's like this loop we do. We just kind of go, you know, maybe take an hour. Yeah. Go leave camp, go around and, and back. And, and, uh, there's that's where we hunt in general and, and there's usually a lot of guys hunting along the roads parking spots mm-hmm. so like if you did that loop loop in a daytime i don't care if it's rut or what it's like you rare maybe evening you might catch a doe but you rarely see deer just because people are parked along the road yep. hunting. and then we go you know on our after dark it's like oh eyes oh big buck oh i'm like where the fuck all these deer come from they're mm-hmm. coming from you Deeper. know they're coming up to the road sniffing smell like you said yeah and, and it's like so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start spotting more because I caught a big 150 class 10 laying right along the road. I said, it's only been dark for an hour. I said, he ain't too far away. Well, that's where you, you know start I mean? to look yeah. at your map and you're like, all right, he, he's got to this point within an hour, yeah. you know, maybe a little bit yeah. extra change. Mm-hmm. So like you can, you can deduce down pretty quickly to say he's somewhere in here, you know, and that at least gives you, I mean, you're in the game at that point. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It helped out a lot this year. I said, man, you know, cause we're at camp and it's dark at, you know, five six it's like let's so take a ride. Let's, yeah let's we could drink beer man yeah you could do that you could drink beer. <laughs> <laughs> dude i'm i'm stop it nick <laughs> <laughs> i freaking miss spotlighting dude. the hunter podcast is brought to you by stealth cam dude where would we be without our cell cams i would definitely be divorced at this point <laughs> yeah i hear that i mean the fact is is i spent more time checking cameras than i actually did hunting prior to cell cameras now at least my wife can enjoy me being in the comfort of my own home buried in my phone checking those pictures yeah, 100 percent. and dude when it comes to uh, trail cameras and definitely cell cameras reliability is i think the number one thing that we're looking for stealth cam just has a long reputation of reliable cameras and ultimately that is the most important thing to us they have to work in terms of reliability there's not a better camera on the market than stealth cam whether you're talking about the fusion x the reactor or the ds4k transmit and most of them are under 200 bucks SouthCam.com. Check them out. If people realized, and it's, I don't think it's not that they don't realize, it's it's if people were willing to put the work in to kill a deer in the late season, 
oh, it's freaking easy. Mm-hmm. I, they just they will come to it. Like mm-hmm. if there's food, mm-hmm. it's food bed. You know, people think about the rut. They're like, oh, these deer are gonna be moving, moving during daylight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. But so think about your success rate during the rut. I mean, dude, if you if you hunt in Jan, if you have a, a state that has a season that runs into January, when you get that real cold, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, or I mean, I showed you what happened on that cold front in mm-hmm. Ohio that, mm-hmm. that my dad capitalized on there. The deer will, they're nothing easier. I mean, it, they're coming. Yeah. They will, if you have a food source, they will come to it. Yep. You're right. I think one of the interesting, it seems s- like a season's over by then, doesn't it? No, not for, for me. me. For me, it does. That's when it starts. Oct- October. Yeah. That's when it starts. I feel like that's when I, can know the most because like well see that's where i feel like i can actually hunt and i say that like loosely but like beyond before that i'm i'm strategizing and trying to make a very calculated approach when when that late season comes i just freaking go Mm -hmm. see for me like by the time mid-november hits like i it's over for me i'm like man so like rut is pretty crazy sometimes unpredictable and then like with my work schedule up through october it was like yeah, you you always hunted the rut, but you, there was nothing you could predict. A lot of times, it's like deer chasing, but then you get into that December, end of December, January. It's like, okay, I'm still in hunt mode, and it's like now I can, I can, I can pinpoint deer and know where they're at, and in like get the, on them. Because the problem it, is, it, it, it doesn't seem like so many deer get killed by then. They it do. does, but then that's an, another thing. You got to go out after or have a camera soaking to see what's left. Like that was the biggest thing I had to see. I'm not just going and guessing that there's a deer i know that this deer made it or you know whether i had cameras soaking well, that's, what, that's what i can't deal with though is inevit- inevitably you know a, a percentage of the deer are going to get taken out before then and yeah. i'm like man if it's they're alive sure. they're alive in, in august i want them in september yeah, you know yeah, I, mean, yeah. I often see a lot of new bucks though during that late season time frame because they're you moving do? they're pivoting to foods i'm losing deer too Sure. You know, but I'm I'm finding deer. Like even behind my house this year, I had two mature bucks show up after Christmas. One I really? knew of, that that tall one that I'd hunted, but I had another one that I had no idea was there. Um, and I think that you know you said it, and and uh, Steve Shirk said it the other day. I if you can get a fresh snow, which this year was really weird with that, but if you can get a fresh snow during that season, and find, I mean, everybody knows what a big buck truck track mm-hmm. looks like when you find it in the snow. And you follow it. I don't care if it's three miles. Just observe what you're doing as you follow that track. And, dude, I'm telling you, you will learn some crazy shit. You'll learn what they're that, eating. You'll that, learn how they move. You'll learn where they bed. You'll learn where they stop. Oh I mean, yeah. it's it's wild to pick that stuff that, up. That is that specific observation that I was talking about earlier. Like, so few people have done. It's not complicated. Find the track, follow the deer. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. So few people have done it. And you just think about, oh, you know, they're... You know, they're coming for, they're, they like mystify. No, no, no. Yeah, they mystify this thing. They're like, well, if they're coming to, and the problem is, and my problem, you know, along with them is that I, we don't have enough food. And so by the time January rolls around, it's gone. It's been gone by November. You know, they mm-hmm. ate all of our brassicas and stuff. Mm-hmm. If I had a standing, you know, standing well, food source, yeah. we would we would pick up new deer. Where, I have 100% confidence. Where I think you have, why a late season isn't as attractive to you as it would be to Johnny and I is we can go. We can go walk four miles and follow deer. You're limited. Yeah to woodlots and space where you're at on your Ohio farm. Like you've got a 20 acre woodlot. What are you going to do? Just walk through it. 
you know, where we're walking 2000 acres of timber, mm-hmm. Yeah. you know? And so we're right. just walking right. and following, walking and following where you're looking and saying, are the deer here and are they feeding here? Yeah. Where we're just going until we so run into get them. into one. Yeah. Yeah. Ours, all the tracks are like, it'll just circle in the food yeah. source. And we're, the we're, we're literally just going until we c- literally cut a set of tracks and then it's like, okay, cut and it looks fresh. I'm going with it. You dude, know, d- dude, that, uh, I, I've been trying for two years now on this podcast podcast to describe that specific observe like t- the tangibility of like tracking and hunting a, a mature buck like it's not like a- anybody could come into this podcast right and sit down and be like oh you know big bucks or this and or that and they move on or this and that but like t- to to literally uh to literally observe like the the this tracks are right here his mm-hmm. bed is right here this is his sign i saw him right here that that is what is like that's deer hunting. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's oh yeah, and it's black and white too. Like it's black mm-hmm. and white. It's not complicated. It's ra- everything's laid out right there. This is w- where he's at. This is what he's doing. This is what he's feeding on. Like you mm-hmm. could learn so much. It's exactly. I get so tired of like the the overcomplication of like or, or like the oh you know deer moving you know overhead underfoot you know barometric pressure. It's just no no no. It's right here. Well, the deer I- is re- out there in the woods right now. You know what I mean? Obs- observing your pressure. You know, he's feeding on this. He's re- He's doing, you know, mm-hmm. breeding this way. He's out there. He's doing it. If you can observe those taxes and just, like, get into a stand that's cutting that off at some point. like. And I think that's where, like, even when you look at, we, we talked about it last week, with some of these hunting consultant side of things, like, you know, all these strategies and, and understanding and creating these pinch points and everything is great. But ultimately, number one, the deer's got to be there, right? Just period. Like, I don't, I don't give a shit about pinch points and funnels and wow. screens and that's whatever. Part, that's part of the reality that comes along with the demystification of deer hunting. Yeah, he's got to be there. or he's not. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know. And in a lot of cases, he's not. Exactly. So if you're, whether you're hunting private or public, a deer has to be there. Once he's there, and we talk about this all, you're in the game. And that's mm-hmm. all I ask for in a season. I mean, yeah, I would love to put an arrow in multiple mature bucks at any given year. But just put me in the game and at least make me feel like I'm not hunting a ghost. Yeah. Right? And once you do that, then you can start to narrow down those details of, you know, where do I think he's likely to come through here? Is is this a pinch or is this a funnel? Is this his feeding area? Whatever. But I think what happens is so many people, like if I if I watch these forums, and I'm guilty of it too, but so many people are like, well, I'm designing this to do this, and I'm designing this to do this. And when I'm looking even at my own property, if I'm going to try to enhance it, I just want to make sure that I set everything up that a big buck would want to be there, mm-hmm. period. After that, then it's on me to figure out how to kill him. But if I can't, if I'm designing this thing in advance of a big buck even being on my property, what a waste of time and money. Like, I'm literally designing yeah. this thing to kill a deer that doesn't even exist. You have to have an area that's holding deer that, you you know, that's it. it has to be there. Some of the best farms in this in this entire country that are laid out great have nothing more than a two or three year old buck on them yeah and it's like the surrounding like you gotta be in tune with your surroundings like hey yeah. this is my neighbor it's like history are, you know so what important. I mean? it's like there's good deer here okay now we could design something to hold them that's to it. my area you know you're not gonna, and, all, and all good deer takes is an age class there's, there's deer it. of a certain age and then like there's people to have like 40 50 acres and if you're in an area like i i've I, in the past i've known people that had property i'm trying to grow some good deer but everybody around's killing them i said killing your everything. deer's not living on 40 acres no no you can't keep them there and it's like you're just <clears throat> they just you know i know so many places that uh 
people were trying to man, like they'll get, I don't, I know I talked to someone or was hunting with someone and, you know, they'll get to, you know, 120 to uh, uh, my buddy, you know, in PA here, not, you know, close to where I live. They'll, you know, he'll pick up the 120s, the 125s, you know, and he has a nice little farm. He plants food plots and they're there in September, October, and then the next year they're gone and 120, 125. It's just a cycle. And he's like, we might grab a 130 coming through, 35, and then, but never again. History it's like, is not going like, to let you not, beat it. Yeah, you're not going to, like everybody around you, if you had a thousand acres maybe yep. of this habitat, but you just got a little bit of woods and this and that. And I'm like, I guess, but then again, it comes down to what you enjoy doing. So he likes planting food plots and his kids. Yeah, hunting. That's, so that's cool. You know, yeah. that that's fun. But if you're, it's like, you if you want to grow a big buck, it's not going to happen. I mean, there, and, and that's where there's a lot of people will tell you, ah, you know, you don't have to worry about your neighbors, man. If you're in the wrong neighborhood, you're screwed. Yeah. You know, especially if your goal is just to kill deer, then probably not. But if your goal is to kill a mature buck, your neighborhood is just as much as anything else issue wise. Um, and I think that a lot of people don't pay attention to how their neighbors are affecting the property or before they even buy a piece of property. I mean, hell, when we look at public land, even, you know, half the time I'm looking at what the private landowners are around that public land. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, if there's ag over here, or these people are planting food plots or whatever, that's naturally going to enhance the public lands capability versus if like this is mature timber and there's nothing there and this is mature timber and there's nothing there. And then this is a huge cut. Then it's like, okay, yeah. those deer are going to probably be holding closer to this property line because that's where the cut in the food is. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that people just don't look at it that way. They simply say, what does this look like from a private public standpoint? You know, what are the opportunities on this farm or man, this farm just looks great. Like, look at all this food, look at all this cover. I mean, you can have a great looking farm and have nothing but two year olds on mm -hmm. it, you know, and, and it, there's nothing more depressing than that. I've seen a lot of people blow a lot of money trying to make a farm produce what it will never produce. Yeah. Doesn't matter how great your food plots are. doesn't matter how many box bonds you have. doesn't matter how much screening and switchgrass you have. It just, the neighborhood just won't allow it, mm -hmm. you know, and that's a much of Pennsylvania. That's much of yeah. West Virginia. You know, that's a lot of places in Ohio and New York. You know, it's just, that's just what it is, you know? And I mean, if, if then again, I've seen other people with 20 acres and every year they're on multiple five-year-olds mm -hmm. because of the neighbors, mm -hmm. not because of their property. It's because of what's around them. Yeah, you're right. You know, and I think, um, one of the things like in my Ohio place, I border, um, well, what was, uh, AEP, uh, mm -hmm. energy company land, you know, is now transitioned to the Ohio DNR side, but you know, it's difficult to access. There's big timber. It's, you know, it's not cut. It's there's swamps around it, you know, and I see a lot of mature bucks on in those, in that stuff. And I don't see a lot of people hunting it. Yeah. You know, I just consider that an extension of my property, you mm -hmm. know? So when I'm out hunting or putting cameras on it, I'm on that public as much as I'm on my private land. I think you got to get a feel for it. A lot of people, I don't, I don't know. You just kind of drive around and say that just i don't know just so many years and have a sense that there's good deer here or, or you know like even the different states i hunted and i get around some private and i pick up on some public i'm like it's like i could tell this guy you know it's just like just your experience of being mm -hmm. out there like where my buddy's at and he's got them two-year-olds i'm like like all in that area i'm like you know it just to me it just sucks it's yeah. just not gonna happen you know and that's, I, and that's and I hard, man. And that's why it I gravitate is. to the well, bigger, dude, I'm, I'm more one of those, area. I'm know? one of those fools you talk about, you know, or, like, you know, in some cases, you know, about spending a bunch of money, 
you know, in a place where your neighbors are not going to allow. I mean, dude, um, my parents own a big track in eastern central. That's where we killed a deer. And I don't take that for granted. You know what I mean? Dad killed a whopper out there. That, that And there are some big deer that but, exist. But, I mean, it's for a track that big, I mean, I'm going to say 85 or 90% of the deer get killed mm-hmm. at uh you know wh- whether it's th- three or four and and my, my standards are, are relative you know it's like uh, a lot of, a lot of people would be happy to be able to pass mm-hmm. on a three-year-old and get them to four years old you know and and and, and we could do that uh in, in some cases maybe, maybe in some cases you've kind of conceded to that at this point what's that saying shoot, hey shoot. if i get them at four yeah, well, and if it was just me, I wouldn't do that. Like, I, right. I, I'm not interested in shooting a three-year-old, but, you know, so, some guys that hunt with us, um, you know, and, and my uncle is one of them, you know. He, in some cases, he's like, hey, man, that's the best deer I've seen in, yeah, in you're a couple right. years. And I, I've got to be, I'm sympathetic to that. And I've hunted a lot of state, well, one in typical was Ohio, an area going back, you know, 15 years ago. There was nobody hunting this area, big deer, and then everybody that would come after Ohio got publicized would, take a deer home you know like yeah they might be first off looking for the 140 150 then they start seeing and they're only seeing 130s and when mm-hmm. they're taking the then it's like they're they're taking the seed and it's before you know there's these arrows i quit hunting and i ran cameras there this year yeah. and the biggest i had was a 140 and i'm like i it just it just i, don't, I, know. I don't know what it is that that, that 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 is the main motivation behind that uh that thought process like we've got we've got a guy like that i'm, I'm guilty of it too because over the years that when i used to hunt that area yeah they got smaller there was monsters 170s 860s 50s for then i was starting to take the question is 120s. where where does it bottom out yeah where does it bottom out where does it you're bottom like out? man would I, yeah. would I shoot him and you're like man i'm tired like a two-year-old I've, I've been hunting for know, years well yeah and that's, that's probably different for everybody you know sure yeah. well i think that that's where when you start to kind of look at this this all together like uh, that's a great example of like where is this bottom out and and what are the factors that are what are what are the factors contributing to this thing you know bottoming out i'll put this on record i think because at least in pennsylvania i can't maybe i know kentucky because i had cameras possibly ohio we we will have some tremendous bucks next year in these states because of the early drop right around christmas a lot of bucks did not get shot in the late season. Hopefully, you really think that has something to do with it? That Christmas weather? Guaranteed. No, no. Do you really think that them dropping early has something to do with more antler production? No, but I'm saying it, it protected more of those bucks from getting shot. Mm, okay. And then, so far, knock on wood, this has been one of the mildest winters mm-hmm. we have had. So even though there is still Dude, a lack of food, they're all mild anymore. Yeah, but it, I mean, we You're still right. get it's some been snaps. Super like mild. even. I don't remember it was last year or two years ago when I was ice fishing in Pennsylvania. And it was, we talked about it, it was only like a two-week streak of cold weather. But, I mean, it was two weeks of like sub-15 <clears throat> degrees. We haven't had anything like that. Mm-hmm. It was it's freaking 80 degrees out today. We had two days. Yeah. Yeah, so so I think as you get into that, you look at that. I mean, my clover is growing in my food plots right now because of the warm weather that we've had recently. Their deer are hammering my clover plot because there's new clover coming up. Oh. We're pushing these deer to Dude, the point. I mean, it's Feb- February 23rd, 71 degrees today, 35 tomorrow, big drop, 48, 54, 58. And that's mild. That's mild. It's mm-hmm. super mild on Sunday. And, w- and then next week's March. Mm-hmm. We're halfway to freaking green up there mm-hmm. at that point. So if you look at all that, you look at this drop, 
I think you're going to have you. I I think you for sure in Pennsylvania. I don't know. Ohio worries me a little bit because of that late muzzle litter season, mm-hmm. um, and people just dropping does, and then it's like, damn, that was a big doe. Yeah, it was a yeah, five year old yeah. buck. You know, big doe and big holes in her. Yeah, head. <laughs> exactly. But in Pennsylvania, I think it protected a lot of deer. Um, I would assume it did the same probably in Kentucky. But if that's the case and that moves forward, man, we could see some really, really good bucks. I think you see a lot more four-year-olds and five-year-olds next year than you saw this year. Dude, you know the absolute best thing about deer season is there's another one coming. Yeah. Doesn't stop. There's another well, dude, one I, coming. I'm serious. I yeah. went out to check the <laughs> like mail. A smile on Johnny's face when I, I said that. I went That's out to check one. the mail earlier, and I'm like, dude, I cannot believe I am not out shed hunting right now. Because I usually yeah. am just not twitching about it, and well, then it's like. It's okay. A day Re- like today. Regardless of what happens between now and next October, we'll yeah. be out there again. Yeah. Oh, I've been, I've been thinking about it. I've been. Have you? Oh, yeah. I've actually been thinking about killing a couple turkeys, too. Yeah? Not like I'm super excited about it, but, you know, by, by April, I'm ready to shoot something in the face. You know, and so... You know what I could get I into? give zero shits about turkeys, but... I used to be big turkey when I was high school, getting out of high school. Like oh, running guns, you know. Spring turkey, I was crazy about. Are you up for... We, we, should, take, we should take both your boys out this year. I'll, I'll take sure. one of them. You take the other one. Sure. Yeah, that'll be fine. They've killed more turkeys than I kill. Yeah. Because... I at least take them because they have fun doing it. Yeah. You know the problem with turkey hunting? It's too easy. Is it? It's too easy. People are wrapped up in that stuff, man. Oh, dude, I don't even... I I take my bow, no blind. Uh, see, I just want to shoot them in the face. I just want to shoot them in the face and be done. I don't get it. I I don't get the... I mean, I... Don't get me wrong. I'm excited. Like, when they're gobbling back and they're... Yeah, that's When they come in, it's fun. It's like, okay, heart... I, I think it could be like deer hunting to where if, you know, you get an area the people are hunting them and spooking them. And yeah. Like up there's my, a challenge. Up in my camp, um, there's not as not as many, but there's a ton of guys. And it seems like tight lip. They shut up. Mm-hmm. You know, then you get to the second, third week, then they open up again where it's like, yeah. you know, it's just like anything else. I mean, I, I still really appreciate it. Or like a nice spring morning and birds gobbling. Don't, yeah, don't get it me wrong. It feels great. Yeah. I do love I Probably love because we're another step closer to deer season. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it feels good. Don't like, get me wrong. I love that. But but I know guys that turkey hunt every day. Yeah, I can't do and that. And I'm like, yeah. just kill me first day. If, be done. If, if turkeys <laughs> talk just as much in the evening, I would never get up in the morning for them. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, never. That'd be so great if you yeah. could just go set up in the afternoon. And yeah, I've killed several birds in the afternoon, uh, down I south especially. I yeah, have. but I mean, I just... But it is. Not, I mean, it's. In fact, I go. That's when I find most of my sheds is during turkey season. Mm-hmm. I used I'll just to be start a big walking. thing. Yeah, I just would uh, up north. Just walk, walk shed and call, walk and call, walk and hunt. call. Yeah, that's but it. now they uh, too many shed hunters. So I don't know. Isn't that crazy? I mean, that's. Crazy. I, I mean, and and listen. I mean, obviously, per the table, like we love finding sheds, but dude, just being out and and really reading the sign when it's bare bones woods and things like that. Like, I, there's a lot that's of good before stuff. Before shed season, I mean, dude. December, like Jan, eh, December's a little early. January and early February are the best times to read that. So mm-hmm. up at camp, you know, up northern PA. So like they start anymore losing horns like right at the end of deer season, which you're looking at like December tenth. That's 12th. wild, man. Like, and so now all the shed hunters. That's not normal, right? All the shed hunters are out in the middle of December, and they're picking up. Like even a buddy of mine that lives in the area. He started, like, I got him on to shed hunting, like, eight, ten years ago, and, you know, he'd get to the point where he'd find piles of sheds, and then, you know, he started, well, he would learn that the butchers would get does, second week of gun season, where bucks had already shedding him. 
he started picking up and it seemed like a lot of the mature deer in that area would shed early uh and that's when they picked the biggest bucks up See, and that's in the seven. Then I was up there muzzleloader hunting. There's guys shed hunting, like already, like end of yeah. <laughs> like, give them, a, give me a minute. I'm trying to hunt. Well, <laughs> see, and that, this is where again, you know, no knock to the game commission necessarily, but we haven't evolved as things have changed. Meaning, you know, back in the '90s and even early 2000s, our buck to doe ratio was so freaking out of whack, it was insane. Right, you'd see 30 does and fawns before you saw a single buck. And now we've got this thing pretty damn balanced out. And, you know, I think that we're not seeing these recycles of does coming into estrus as we used to. And so they're they're shedding out. Testosterone levels are falling mm. and they're shedding out earlier than they ever have before. I, I'm, I'm we haven't changed our season dates is what I'm getting at. Yeah. I'm, I'm not seeing So, like, uh, ours haven't changed. You know, ours is like. I think you still have a pretty skewed. Well, you know it. You know you need to kill does. Yeah. Yeah, so I think where we're at, part of it. I mean, if I'm in the big woods or it's, even where I'm at, like one I'm, to one, two to one, it's right there. It's where these tight. Bucks, they do their breeding and they're done. It's tight. Yeah. There's no oh. recycles. There's no, and, and hell in some of those areas, if the, you know, if the feed wasn't that good, like if the acorn crop hasn't been good in a couple of years, those doe fawns might not reach the weight to go into estrus. Whereas yeah. in your area, probably they're, is they're a popping. big part of it. We got to, I mean, so we're, we're farm country, so we got to, we got to pile of does. We don't see, I mean, if you're out there before March 1st, you're wasting your time. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and that's in Kansas too. Yep. But uh, in we, fact, dad's, dad's been out recently. So I went to lunch with him nothing. yesterday. He's like, hey, I've been out walking. And every time I go out walking, I see a buck with. So I think that's holding. where, and I mean, that was the goal. The goal was for us to tighten the, the buck to doe ratio in Pennsylvania up. I think we've done that. Where I worry is like we didn't we haven't changed our season dates we haven't pivoted anything here you know so I mean for a good example you know flintlock and late archery I mean shit it truly is a needle in the haystack to still find a buck with antlers and mm-hmm. after Christmas just doesn't it's not common because you know testosterone levels fall bucks shed but then again we'll see like in my area there'll be a handful of them just kind of hold on till end of February it's like. A group and of it's what, like a, it's like a percent of like, northern. Oh, really? Yeah, like the, the, a bulk of them would lose, and that's when the guys are out there in December. Then it's like a dry moment, and then like mid end of February, they'll start dropping. Like I would assume it's because held, they'll hold on. Something well, does come this, back into estrus, yeah, and those guys' testosterone jumps back up, so they don't drop them. Well, this year was interesting. Like they're they're you're right. There definitely was a percentage of them that dropped mm-hmm. right after Christmas. Which, which tells us, I mean, there's for sure like an environmental factor to that. It's a stressor. I mean, I mean, I mean, was, it, I mean it was too, it was not, I mean, it was like. It's 48 hours of, of weather that I don't know when the last time we've seen wind chills and it popped like right, And that. they popped right off. It's yeah. like so, some of the deer, whatever happened, they're like. Ooh. Yep. Stress, mm-hmm. just complete stressed out, body yeah, gone. mentality. It's time to recover and stop thinking about breeding, mm-hmm. you know, stress. Yeah. Like, which frankly will probably save some of those bigger bucks here I as so. they move forward because they, they didn't have to think about, oh, and I mean, they can still breed, right? I mean, people, oh yeah, just because they lost their antler doesn't mean they can't breed. Like they can still <laughs> breed. The testosterone levels are still there to do Dude, it. If I could catch these deer and cut their antlers off in October. <laughs> So I think, I, you know, I would do it. Some of these deer that are losing early. So the last few winters up in my area or the last few fall November's, we'd get some cold, like end October to November, some cold, some snow. And we think maybe that kind of triggers maybe 
does early. We're, we're noticing yeah. definitely like October breed. It's where like, yeah, these bucks are starting to lose their horns. Super early. Middle, middle December, like it's done. It's cold. And, and like these older deer start thinking about recovering. All right. I, you know, and I, I know of people that seen bucks breed doe like October 15th, 18th. Damn. Up there. Oh, yeah. You know, in cold spells and they, you know, it's rare, but I mean, um, I mean, these, these does are the master weather predictor, right? I mean, their goal is 200 days from the time they're bred is to drop a fawn in the most optimal time to raise it, mm-hmm. you know? And so like this year, it wouldn't surprise me if mid-March we have pretty good spring green up, mm-hmm. you know, which means there's plenty of protein and food for them to produce good milk. And, you know? and if you remember back, they were breeding early this year. This, yeah. this was one yeah. of those years where October 15th, it was like, they're going. Mm-hmm. Remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean I don't know I mean it's it's you I think know next year will be a good year for year for antlers yeah. and and bucks because I mean the earlier they the, drop the the quicker they start to yeah, heal back. Then you look at like it was mild like you said it's mild last few years but then yep. there was a fair amount of rain during PA rifle and it was just like warm and I feel like kept guys out of the woods to where like I had good bucks like the last week of rifle up in my area like I'm like wow there's a fair I've got bucks, bucks I've still yeah. I've got um. I have one buck here holding. I've got several bucks in Kentucky still holding, two at least. Um, and I don't know, but I haven't seen any holding in Ohio recently. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things that I think that you look at the weather conditions, you look how the response. The only thing I worry about the last two years is at least where I've seen is uh, with low acorn crop, this the fat on these deer has been weak <sighs> as hell. Dude, we're mm. due for a good acorn crop. I think this year has to blow up, which if, you know, in that event, it's going to be a tough hunting season. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you've got oaks dropping all over every ridge out there, you know, good luck patterning these deer. Uh, it'll be tough, but we're, we're due. I mean, and, and cause I, um, actually I think it was Harlan's. So Harlan shot a one-year-old behind the house. And I mean, that deer had no fat on that thing whatsoever. Um, and I know, I think Shirk said that somebody killed that buck you were hunting. Yeah. What do you say? Phil dressed like 120 something. Yeah. Like it's like, like a six or seven year old buck. Phil dressed 120 what? something. I was like, holy shit. That's not good. That's crazy. Yeah, nuts. So, I mean, those are the things that all of a sudden you start to look at and you're like, damn, like this is uh, this is pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Ready to wrap it up? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I, I do have to actually go eat dinner. Okay. With my all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. de- de- no, seriously, no, this is actually closing. Yeah. I got to get going. It's bedtime coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly. I, if we, if we can right. get out of the chairs. Oh. So, anyways, Johnny, appreciate you coming down and yeah. spending yeah, some man. time with us. And the last time we talked, we were uh, doing a pot, and I'm like, I'm like, where are you guys at? You know, I have no yeah. clue. I can see you. <laughs> like, uh, we're in Utah. Like, I'm like, oh, you're right down the road. Yeah. Why don't I just come down next time? Come down yeah, next time. Yeah. That's good. We know we'll have world. to do it more. It's not. I mean, we don't get to have uh, in person guests in the studio, so it's uh, it's Very nice awesome. to have those discussion points. Yeah, I mean counted on jared's four-finger hand probably the number of times that we've had an in-person guest so mm-hmm. um yeah we appreciate you coming down man and uh as we get closer to the season here and stuff we'll have to yeah, rope you back in oh, and yeah it's fun especially when you get up into like and we'll do beers next time maybe go spotlighting <laughs> yeah you're right <laughs> <laughs> huh? Huh? that'd be fun <laughs> On Spotlight. And so, anyways, uh, we appreciate everyone listening to this episode of Hunter Podcast 117. Johnny, where can mm-hmm. people find your stuff? Yeah. Uh, just, I'm kind of just on Instagram. 
Okay. What's uh, your handle? The Johnny Stewart. The Johnny Stewart. And I'm, I'm, I was even rolling around the idea of being like a consultant for just hunters in general, not so much like land management. For sure. Um, this year, I'm going to start maybe going that way. And like I talked about how I like helping people hunt. Mm-hmm. Kind of like I look at it as like a scouting coach or a hunting coach. Like I'm like uh, maybe the quarter or you're like you're the quarterback and maybe i'm the coach and you like you got a piece of land you want i think that's a great idea man so yeah if um not everybody's got what we just talked about which is that person to call and and that's another thing like i I talked to bo a lot about like just another person like say i get a a few guys that have a piece of land maybe i'll go walk it with you sure and we'll figure out a price what's you know everybody's time's valuable but i've recently hunted like with the guys that are new and they're like, man, John, being with you for a day or two, I've learned more than I would learn in three years. So I'm like, man, I love helping people. You know, my time is valuable. So um, if anybody's out there and is, is kind of interested in doing this, like give me a shot, maybe we'll talk, uh, you know, uh, compensation for that. But, yeah. Um, I, I definitely like to get into helping people more, whether it's walk air land or just kind of yeah. like, Throughout the season, have someone you can call that knows I think the that's area huge, man. you're hunting and say, hey, John, so I hunted this stand. What do you think? You know, and, and I just like to start doing that. So I'm going to try to get the ball rolling with that. So that'd be cool. was interested in having me help him, you know. I mean, I think a second set of eyes on things. But like I said, I mean, you know, we're fortunate that we can pick up and hit each other when we've got questions or thoughts. A lot of people are on their own you know? and they are and then if you can get in tune like you know jeremy's property and you yeah. guys know each other where you like but for someone to call you and say where should i hunt tonight look i, I don't uh, know yeah, how am i, I don't know, know you know yeah. they, they've sent like so many people and i try to do my best to help but it's like you asked me one question where where should i hunt and i asked you 20 i got 20 questions for you so mm-hmm. we gotta so i'm like there's a i think i got a good just all the places I've hunted, the different states and all the years and how I've learned from the animals and how they, you know, inhibit and move. And like we talked about pressure, like, um, and then being with enough, you know, we take a lot for granted that what we know, that there sure, are so many people sure. out there that don't are just so like, like I've been with guys and I show them a buck rub and they're like, what is that? Yeah. They just don't have the time. It's like, you just made that. How do you know? I'm like, there's yeah, the sh- you know, but but there. it's like yeah. they can l- grow in leaps and bounds because I know how many years it took me to get to where I was because it was like we talked about when we were younger, you know, you just hunt the same tree stand. That's it. You know, and which is good to a point. And it's like I always talk about a balance scale where it's like, you know, sometimes that is the best thing, but other times you got to do something different. But it took so many years to gain that knowledge. And, That's and, it, man. And Woodsmanship like and being in time in the wood. And, and yeah, people just don't have the time to do that mm-hmm. you know there's other things in life that take that time and so yeah and if you can have someone help you jump in leaps and bounds it, that's yeah l- let's do it you know so just dm you on instagram yeah just dm me on on, on instagram i mean most people know, just dm me yeah. on instagram but cool. i appreciate you guys let me come down no dude we appreciate it welcome anytime man. spot next time that's it summer spot trip all right we will catch you all next week later it's take me oh.